Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to RUF. Welcome to Large Group. Yeah, uh, it's great to see all of you again. Um, if, uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Davis Sweat. I'm the RUF campus minister. Um, and so I, I'd love to just get to know you as, as you're here on campus, if, if I haven't gotten to know you yet. I'd love to grab some coffee, learn, learn about you, learn your story, uh, and just learn ways that I can walk with you through these years. Um, so one thing we say here in RUF is that you are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And at the same time, you are never so good that you're beyond uh, the need for God's grace. Uh, that's one thing we say every week here. And, and I think one of the reasons we say this is because um, I think often we think that we're supposed to relate to God based on our performance, based on what we do, based on how we uh, work for him. Um, so whether you think, you know, I'm too screwed up, you know, I can't go to God. I, I don't deserve to be in this room. Maybe some of y'all feel that way right now. I, I really need to get my act together. Uh, understand God doesn't relate to you based on what you have or have not done for him. You are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. Maybe some of you are here and you're doing everything right. You're, you're doing what you told your parents you would do. You're, you're getting involved with a Christian organization. That's a great thing, right? You're making friends. You're trying to get connected to a church. Um, you're really working hard to do the right thing, uh, to be valued and approved by the, the people that you respect. Well, know this, you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. That those things you're working so hard to measure up, actually those things, those actually could be the very things that are keeping you from actually truly experiencing God's grace. So how does God relate to us? How does he relate to us? Well, here in RUF, we believe that nobody in this room uh, becomes a Christian because they're smarter or they were more clever or they were able to figure out something better than, than someone else, uh, or they, they made uh, you know, a better decision, or, or they did the right things the right way, and that's, that's why they're a Christian. No, the reason anyone in this room, when you look around, the reason anyone here is a Christian is because of God's loving kindness towards them. God's loving kindness towards you that his grace actually moved towards you, his movement towards you. So that's why. It's what he's done. Uh, so when you think about that statement, you know, which side are you kind of more resonating with tonight? You're never so bad you're beyond God's reach or you're never so good uh, that you're beyond God's need of God. Which one do you resonate with? Know that God, he relates to us based on who he is, based on what he's done, based on Jesus's work, that he moves towards us in his loving kindness. And so that's why we gather in this room. We, we wanna actually experience that. We want to respond to that and understand that more and more and more and more. So I'm really glad you're here tonight. So every um, semester in RUF, we do a sermon series. Uh, and tonight we are starting a series 
uh, called A Life of Flourishing. And we're going to be looking at Jesus and the Beatitudes this semester. Uh, so the Beatitudes, they're, they're these nine statements that Jesus makes at the beginning of Matthew. And so each week, we're just going to be looking one by one at each of those, what that actually looks like in our lives. Um, and so to start off this series, we're just going to kind of be doing a, a general introduction about what this is. But I want to ask you a question. What does it mean to really flourish? Like, have y'all ever, like, really thought about that? Like, what does it actually mean to have a life of flourishing? Uh, when I think of this question, it actually reminds me of a passage in The Lord of the Rings. Have y'all ever read, have y'all read that book or, or seen the movie? So this is in The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and in The Fellowship, you know, Frodo, he started out on, the, on his journey. And he, he's going to destroy the One Ring. And it, it started off in a very terrible, it's painful, um, just excruciating, actually. Like, he, he gets very hurt, you know, and, and the other, um, he gets separated from his friends, like, all this stuff. And there's a point when Frodo is taken to Rivendell, which is this, um, kind of this magical place where, actually, uh, he's kind of fed and nourished to prepare him for the rest of his journey. He's given kind of his, his fellowship. The fellowship comes together here. And... Um, And here's what the book says when he wakes up in Rivendell. It says this, Frodo was now safe in the last homely house east of the sea. That house was, as Bilbo had long ago reported, a perfect house, whether you like food or sleep or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking uh, or a pleasant mixture of them all. Merely to be there was a cure for weariness, fear, and sadness. Merely to be there was a cure for weariness, fear, and sadness. To me, that's, that's a life of flourishing. That's, that's experiencing a life of flourishing. It was a place that he could rest, that he could be enriched, uh, that he could actually be happy. He could be with his friends. And so when I think about who we are as human beings, I think this question is actually the single greatest question that human beings are trying to answer all the time. Part of who we are, we all have this desire within us to flourish, like this longing to to be satisfied, to be happy, (laughs) right? Like the the one thing that I think connects human beings is, is that within us, we have this longing for things to work out. Uh, for things to be right, for there to be true peace, true happiness, true flourishing. And so the question that I think we often wrestle with is how do we get that? How do we get that? Because we all know that life actually isn't operating the way it's supposed to be. We all experience this. And so the answer to that question is different uh, based on what your vision for a flourishing life actually is. You know, maybe some of you, for instance, you tell yourself that in order for me to really be f- happy, flourishing, what I really need, I need a spouse. I need a romantic relationship. You know, I need a partner uh, because cause then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to flourish. 
So you, in order to get this, you know, this vision, you may do whatever you can by, by either settling for someone or maybe you are so critical and so picky about every single characteristic of a person uh, because you need that perfect person in order to flourish. That's coming from this idea of what does it mean for me to be happy, right? Or, okay, others, others of you, you know, maybe you think as long as I've got my life in order, as long as I've got my plan together, um, as long as I have, a, 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 you know, an idea of what I'm supposed to do, um, as long as I achieve that plan, achieve my goals, maybe it's getting your degree. Maybe it's uh, getting that internship. Maybe it's working your butt off so that finally you're going to achieve what you want because then you're going to flourish. I think a lot of times we hear this throughout college, right? We'll know that the same idea, the same question, it's actually not new. It's not at all. This isn't some new idea. It's been around as long as humans have existed uh, because the Bible teaches that actually human beings, something within us, the way we were created is actually to flourish. That part of the way God made us, primarily uh, we get this from Genesis 1 and 2, and I don't have enough time to like really unpack everything that's there, that's there but essentially what it teaches us is that we are image bearers of God. And part of what this means is that you and I, we actually long for things as image bearers that are good, that are good things. You know, your desire for a spouse, for instance, you were made, you were created for connection. You were created to want to connect with people. That's a good thing. Uh, or uh, your desire to want to work hard, uh, to thrive. That's a good thing. We were created for work. But what happens is because of what the Bible calls sin, brokenness, read about this in Genesis 3, that the world is kind of, it's become messed up. And so what we do is we actually try to get these things in every wrong way. Uh, and further, we actually make these longings the ultimate things that we will do whatever we can to get them. And so this was true in Jesus' day. And so we have Jesus, and what he does is he enters the world here, and he actually offers the correct vision for human flourishing. It's amazing. He actually gives us the way to meet those longings that you and I have. And so this is why, actually, I want us to study the Beatitudes. Because I think this, this actually... Uh, this is what Jesus says a person who is truly flourishing actually is going to look like. This is what Jesus says they'll look like. And here's, here's the crazy thing. It's not what we would expect at all. Uh, it's not exactly, it doesn't meet what we think a life of flourishing should actually look like. So let's read Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 12 together. And let's uh, kind of hear, perhaps, the vision that Jesus might be creating here. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, uh, for they, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll unpack this a little bit more. Uh, Dear God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, sending Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, uh, for being the vision for us, for providing for us um, all we need to know, what it means to truly live. And so I pray that you would uh, be with us tonight as we continue to study that, we continue to unpack that, and that you would just be present with us, that you would guide us, you would uh, give us wisdom in our time here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so when I was a kid, I went water skiing. And so I'm like 10 years old, strapped to this back, uh, to the back of this boat with uh, just these giant skis and literally having no idea what I'm doing. And I assume, here's what I'm saying. I, I assume all I need to do is just push up once the boat starts and then I'll be up and skiing. Uh, And so my uncle, he starts driving the boat, and I do that, and I immediately push up, and I'm met with a flood of lake water in my face, and I'm, like, flailing around, and I'm like, I want to cry, but I can't because I've got so much water in my mouth. Uh, And and so it's just overwhelming. And so my uncle just, you know, he stops the boat. I'm, like, half dead, just, like, laying there with with my life jacket. Uh, and he like grabs me. He pulls me up into the boat. And here's, here, here's, what you, uh, here's what he says. Here's what you need to do to stand up. You're going to start being pulled by the boat. And instead of trying to keep your body upright, here's what you need to do. Lay down. And instead of pushing up, you need to just hold on and actually pull down. And instead of standing, you actually just need to sit. And then... Then you'll be water skiing. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly the opposite of everything that is natural in me to do if I were to think I was supposed to water ski. But it worked. That's actually how I ended up being pulled up to water ski. Now, when reading the Beatitudes, this is actually the, the disorientation that kind of comes uh, from it. I mean, when you really look at them, they're kind of dark. They're kind of weird. Like, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You know, not the rich in spirit, uh, the poor. Or, or blessed are those who are mourning or are meek. Another word for just lowly and humble. Um, or hungry, thirsty, like that. merciful. The, the people that actually don't get what's owed to them. 
that, that that's when they're going to be flourishing? Or, or peacemakers, those who are, uh, I'm okay with letting others just win. Just kind of, I'm okay with it. I'm fine. I'm at peace. Or persecuted? I mean, really, think about it. These characteristics, they are certainly not what you and I, like, think about. Like, okay, I'm going to flourish, so I just need to be these things. They're not, they're not necessarily what we strive for. Uh, so what I want to do right now is I just want to examine, just kind of have an overview. What is Jesus actually saying here with these Beatitudes? Uh, and then why should we actually want to experience them in our lives? So what are they? And why should we want them? Why should we want to experience them? Uh, so number one, what is a Beatitude? Well, first, I want us to just think, what isn't a beatitude? Because, uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird statement, right? What is a beatitude? Uh, Russ Erlinger said beat-titude, a beatitude. Uh, what is it? Uh, well, it's not a be-attitude. It's not like an attitude you need to be. That's not what, an, that's not what a beatitude is. Um, it's not necessarily a blessing, um, in the sense that we think a blessing, uh, that one of the reasons I think sometimes we get confused about um, this passage in particular is because we hear this word often translated in our Bibles as blessed, you know, like hashtag blessed. Uh, and it's associated with all of these things in our culture. Um, so what we think of, we, we think a blessing is God's favor, his gift upon someone, right? So, so like often when we hear something like someone like really affluent maybe, like a celebrity or like an athlete, uh, you'll hear something like, yeah, God has really blessed me. He's really, he's really blessed me. And essentially they're saying that, you know, God's given them a lot of resources. God's given them uh, a lot of things to, he, he's given them a lot of things to bless them. He's provided certain things for them. Um, well, hear this word for bless. It's actually not the same thing that sometimes we hear when we hear blessing. Uh, it's not saying if you do these things, uh, that you're, you know, God's going to do this or God's going to provide this. That's not what's saying here. So what is a beatitude? Um, and it's actually a word that we don't even really have in our, in our English uh, dictionary, uh, which is why it comes out as beatitude. Beatitude comes from a Latin word uh, meaning uh, beatu- it's beatus is, is, is what that, the Latin word is, which actually it means blissful, it means happy. Uh, flourishing. Well, this word here in Greek, which is what the New Testament is translated, is called makarios. Um, and so again, it, it means happy, blissful, fortunate, flourishing. And it's basically a word that describes this idea of something that when you look at it, um, you're just like, wow, that works. That's, that's just beautiful. It's just kind of like, oh, like things are just working the way it's supposed to. It's flourishing. Um, that's really awesome. That makes sense. That fits. So in ancient times, they, they actually would be familiar with phrases like this, uh, these little beatitude statements called macarisms. Um, and essentially what these are, they're little statements that just provide little visions for the good life. Visions for a thriving life, a way of seeing or being in the world that provides flourishing. And we actually have these today. We don't, we don't even like really think about it. Um, maybe we would call them like inspirational quotes or something. 
but it, that's essentially what they are. They're beatitudes. And here's some examples. So Gandhi, for instance. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. It's a beatitude. It's Gandhi. Um, or Ralph Waldo Emerson. Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, or, uh, or MLK. He says this. Martin Luther King. Only in the darkness you can see the stars. It gives you a vision, right? Uh, like, this is kind of the way life works. This is a, a way of flourishing. Or here's a, here's a great one. Don't worry about the world coming to an end today. Uh, it's already tomorrow in Australia. Um, that's, the, that's the peanuts. That's Charles Schultz. Um, or even like, for instance, I was scrolling through the Texas Tech website. And the homepage, I don't know if y'all have gone on, on it lately, but like, what's the slogan? From here, it's possible. Come to tech. Life of flourishing. From here, it's possible. Um, Burger King, have it your way. Nike, you know, just do it. Just do it. It's going to be, that's the life of flourishing, right? Uh, And essentially, these are similar to what were known as macarisms back in the day. They're little statements, and they offer a way to the good life. That's what, that's what a beatitude is. It inspires change, gives you a vision for walking. Now, that's the definition. Now, one of the things we believe here in RUF is that God is our creator. Uh, he actually gives us, if he is our creator, we assume he is here. He gives us the way the world is supposed to work, the way that we are supposed to work. It's why we come here every, every week and we study his word. Because we actually believe that it gives us a path to life. Uh, And Jesus, who is God, he actually offers us a literal picture of someone walking in the way this is supposed to look. And so if we assume these things and believe these things, here's the question. What are Jesus's beatitudes? And that's what we have here. What, What are Jesus's statements to us about a vision of the beautiful life, a life of flourishing. That's what he's doing here. And I think if we're really honest, we, we really kind of cringe at it. That the, the statements he's making are, are weird. If not, they're a little disappointing. <laughs> do I really want to walk down that? Do I, do I really want to do that? If, uh, flourishing is persecuted? That doesn't sound right. Flourishing is the poor in spirit. Flourishing is the meek and the mourners and the peacemakers. And I think what happens, if we're really honest, we're actually resistant to these things because I think we really don't believe that Jesus really wants us to flourish. I mean, here in college, a lot of the the way of flourishing, I think, that we believe is, you know, I got to make a lot of friends. I, I got I to get my degree. I, I got to try to become somebody here. Uh, that is what's going to provide flourishing. And I think what we really need to wrestle with this semester here is do we actually really believe what Jesus says brings us flourishing? That this vision for you, it, it doesn't hinder you. That he, he actually wants what's best for you because he loves you. 
that he wants you to flourish. I think we don't believe that. I think we struggle with that. And so number two, you know, why would we actually want to experience this? You know, in other words, what is our motivation here? What is what motivates us to want to actually have this sort of vision for life? And so if you'll notice the picture that Matthew paints of Jesus, um, Jesus begins to preach in Matthew 4, 17, and he says this, Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, some of you may hear this word repent, and your mind immediately goes to how sinful you are, how you just need to ask for forgiveness, um, how you need to, you know, recognize your sin, recognize, you know, how bad you are, or that maybe you think of those guys that are out of the sub sometimes, and they have these huge signs, and all it says is repent, and they're screaming at you. Have y'all experienced that yet? Um, and that's what you see Jesus doing here. That, 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 that image kind of comes into your head, right? Repent. But really what Jesus is doing here, what he's saying is this. Hey, uh, God has brought about this new way of life. His kingdom. God's brought about his kingdom. And it's good for you. So what you need to do is actually just turn. Turn and come and walk this way and experience it. Come to his kingdom. And so at the start of our passage, we see Jesus who sees the crowds and he goes up on a mountain, which in the Bible, you know, mountains are these symbols of authority. They're these symbols of, you know, think of Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, And I think what Matthew is doing is he's pointing to Jesus as this guy's another authority. He's a, he's a greater authority. He's on, the, he's on the par of Moses. He is the greater Moses. And he starts speaking about what life in God's kingdom actually looks like. And notice Jesus doesn't do this. Um, y'all oh, just obey. You know, just be different. Just be better. No, what he actually does here is he appeals to your deepest longings. And this is what we actually see in these promises. Why do we flourish when we're poor in spirit? Well, because that's the very place where you experience your longing for the kingdom of heaven. Recognizing you need him. That's the place where that longing is met. Why do you flourish when you're actually mourning over the brokenness and pain and suffering of your sin or of the world? Because this is the place where God is comforting you. Your longing for comfort comes through this life of actually mourning it. Wanting him to set things right. Why do you flourish when you're meek and humble? Because that's when you recognize that you have an inheritance from God. You get what you long for. And so as I close, it kind of reminds me of this quote by famous actor, Um, Jim Carrey, uh, who I'd say is one of the most successful comedic actors of all time. I I mean, the 90s were just pure gold. Um, Y'all should have been there. uh, And and here's what he said. He said this. You know, I I, I wish everyone could get rich 
and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. So they could actually realize it's not the answer they're looking for. That this guy with all this money and fame and ability to do whatever he wants, he recognizes that that's actually not his path to true happiness and flourishing. That it didn't provide it. And so ultimately the Beatitudes, they, they give us a life of flourishing because what they actually do is reorient us to what is really beautiful, to what is really good. They reorient us uh, to, to beauty. And what is the beauty that it describes? You know, I've met with a lot of you, and there's a common thing sometimes that, that happens. And, and it's like I'm struggling uh, with my faith because I just really don't feel God. Like, I want to believe. I, I just I don't hear from him. I don't feel him. You know, I, I, I just I haven't experienced him. I, I so want this. And I want it for you too. And here's what I think the Beatitudes teach us. That it's actually in the dark, desperate moments, desperate areas of your life, where you actually experience the presence of God. Some of you may be actually avoiding going to some of those feelings and some of those places. Uh, and maybe that's exactly where you need to go. And why is that? Because these characteristics don't just describe the characteristics of a disciple. This is showing us Jesus. That I actually, I, I don't want you to leave here and say, okay, I get what David is saying, so now all I need to do is just do this. I just need to be like this. No. Actually, the reason I want you to reflect on these is because what you do is you see the beauty of Jesus. And what you actually need is Jesus. That you need to gaze on the beauty of Jesus and fall more and more in love with him. Notice he became poor. Why? So that you and I can have the kingdom of heaven. You know, he mourned and he suffered so that you and I can actually be fully comforted. Uh, he became meek for you so that you actually can receive the full inheritance of God. He hungered and he thirsted so that you and I could be satisfied. He was merciful so that you and I receive mercy. He was pure so that you and I could see God. He brought peace so that you could actually be called a son and a daughter of God. He was persecuted for your righteousness sake. That the Beatitudes, what they do is they actually reorient us. And here's the reorientation. The path for joy is actually not up, it's down. And that actually the place that you go and you actually might least expect there to be joy is actually the very place where you experience God's presence. And so that's why this, this semester, what we're going to do is we're just going to unpack characteristic after characteristic. 
and just reflect on where do we see the beauty of Jesus in this? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, just this time to reflect on who you are, um, that you meet us here, and we long to know you, that uh, we long to be satisfied, God. And, and so where else can we go for that but to you? That you are the satisfaction for all of our longings. And so I just pray for everyone in this room as they go about just uh, just all the ups and downs that come with walking in college and being a part of, um, of just the life of a student. And I pray that you will use every bit of those details, every bit of their lives, to actually draw them closer to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.